Are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. I was thinking about and praying and preparing for today and what the Lord's encouragement would be for us as we continue on this path of exhortation that we have been on in the last few months. And I, my mind automatically went to what we're going to be doing after church today and looking at what he has supplied for us. It also reminded me of when we got the bad news about our old building. And we were, we were notified that the place that we had occupied in and had actually a lease with option to buy agreement with, we were told it went up for sale at a far higher price than what it was when we first moved in and it was out of our league, so to speak, for purchase. We were told many things about what was going to happen during this transition period. We were guaranteed it was going to be sold to a place that wanted us to stay and then after that, things went downhill, and they went downhill fast. Many things that happened to us as a staff that we had never shared with you. One day we received a three-day note to quit or vacate. We had 72 hours to remedy seven different things, they said, including remove David Hawking from teaching at the church because that was basically a sublease where David was a part of our congregation. We weren't subleasing to anybody. He had a Monday night study at the church. We were told we had to move our shipping containers. We were threatened with all kinds of things to get us off the property. And basically they started to spend us to death until we finally agreed that they could write a new lease, eliminating our extension of five years and even shortening what we had on our original five year by two months. It was a terrible time. It was an awful time. And there were horrible and illegal things done to us. Let's pray. That's the end of my sermon. <laughs> You're probably thinking, what's that got to do with anything? It has everything to do with our time today. I remember I had a pit in my stomach. I remember when we got the news thinking, what did I do? Lord, what happened? What did I do? I remember negotiating with the Lord, making our case, saying, why is this happening? We're faithful to your word. We teach his book here, right? We're faithful to your word, Lord. We've not denied your name. We haven't defected from truth. So why in the world is this going on? And then I would think that, I would pray that, and then my mind would go back to no weapon formed against you will prosper. My mind would then go back to the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. My mind would go back to he will never leave us nor forsake us. My mind would go back to all things work together for good. My mind would go back there, but my heart was having a problem getting there. My emotions and my feelings weren't willing to make that journey. And what I knew to be true, what I knew to be factual from the Word of God, I was having a hard time embracing emotionally because of what had happened. And yet De Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Listen, it is not possible for God to be unfaithful to those who love Him and live for Him. And that led me to understand there's got to be another way to look at this awful situation. There's got to be another way for me to examine this myself personally. And this is where we're going to spend our time today, recognizing that all we went through for the past year plus, all that happened did work together for good. 
And God has a purpose for us. And we're going to celebrate after church today, not a bad ending to our time on 17th Street, but rather, and here's our title, a new beginning. We have a new beginning, amen? Now, here's why I shared that ugly stuff with you. I believe there are people here today or those watching online who need to transition in their thinking as well because of what the pandemic has brought their way. Because of the things that they are personally going through right now because of the shutdown. And listen, you may not see it now. It may be not where your heart wants to go willingly, but the truth is God does never leave us nor forsake us. All things do work together for good. And they have to. Do you believe that? They have to. Do you know why they have to? Because if they don't work together for good, the Bible's not true. And if the Bible's not true, we're all in big trouble. But they do work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. And the prophet Isaiah said in 43, 18 to 19, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I am here to testify this morning that verse is still true today, just as it was when Isaiah wrote it. And listen, if you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, even bad things can lead to good things. Hello? If you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, even bad things, hard things can lead to good things. And if you're having trouble getting there, I pray that our time together this morning will help you on your way and remind you He's here because we're gathered in His name and He is a present help in time of need, including yours and mine. So let's pray together as we launch out into our time. Father, we are grateful for Your matchless Word. We thank You for the truths we will be reminded of here today. And Lord, may they not just be quaint sayings and things we repeat to one another, but may by our time together, with ears to hear what your Spirit is saying, may these things become our practiced reality as we look at them and examine them today. We ask your aid in all that is said and that which is heard. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, three things I want to consider briefly this morning, and the first is this. Listen, in the midst of all we're experiencing, and whatever that means in your own personal life experience, here's step one. Remember God's past faithfulness when considering present circumstances. Remember God's past faithfulness when considering present circumstances. Now, I want you to think about the story of Gideon. God said, listen, the Midianites are marauding. They're stealing the property of the Israelites. Gideon, man of valor, I want to raise you up to deal with these people. So Gideon said, all right, I've got 32,000 men. Lord, let's go get them. God said, hang on a minute, you've got too many people. Your army's too big for me to work through. So let's whittle things down by 22,000 to 10,000. So they had 10,000 soldiers in to fight against the Midianites, who they were far outnumbered by in the first place. And the Lord said, wait a minute, let's take it down another 9,700. 300 against all the Midianites, I think, will work for me. Now, why would the Lord do that? Well, the answer is Judges 7-2. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. 
and listen. Since we're going to look at our new building today, I was looking back as what has happened in the past and how God has been so faithful to us along our journey all these years. And listen, way back in 2000, some of you weren't even born then, I guess. <laughs> way back in 2000, we were told, listen, as we were meeting in the West Clubhouse in Tustin Meadows, you need to find another place. There's uh, just, just simply uh, isn't working. We didn't want to have a long-term term agreement. You need to find another place. So God opened the doors of Columbus Tustin Middle School and we moved into their multi-purpose room there. And then there came word at one of the men's prayer breakfasts, which way back then took place uh, at our home. Someone brought a copy of the Penny Saver. Anybody remember that? The Penny Saver that had all these little two or three line ads. And someone brought the Penny Saver and said, look, church site available in Tustin. So I called the number and the lady said, um, well, actually there's another church that already has the keys. We've already uh, made an agreement with somebody else. And I said, well, hey, just in case something happens, can we go over and look at it? She said, sure, swing by and pick up a key. And uh, we did. And then Sunday after church, about 80 adults, which was the size of the church at the time, we were about uh, eight months old at the time, we went in and we prayed for the building. We prayed for the church that had the keys. And we also prayed, but Lord, if this is for us, do something. Guess what? The next day, say the next day. The next day, Greenwood and Associates called, and the lady said on the other end, I don't know why I'm doing this. This doesn't make any sense. But I asked for the keys back from the other church because I think you're the church that needs to be in there. And by the way, Greenwood is a Jewish name, and this was a Jewish company that said, I don't know what's happening here, but Calvary Chapel Tustin needs to be in that building. Now, interesting, when we moved after 16 years to 17th Street in Santa Ana, where we just were present for five years, after we moved two months later, we got noticed that the whole place, the complex was gonna be torn down. Two months after we were gone, and listen, we came within 10 days after all the crazy things happening over on 17th Street. We came down to 10 days from not having anywhere to meet, and then God supplied. Yeah. And here we are today, and we're going to go look at what else he's doing across the street. Now, here's the point. I didn't like losing our building any more than some of you like losing your job due to the pandemic. I wouldn't choose getting within 10 days of not having a place to meet, but we've never missed a service and we won't in the future either because this is God's church. Yeah. He started this church. I didn't start this church. Pastor Dave didn't start this church. God started this church. God has maintained this church. This is his property. We are his children. We are his temple of his Holy Spirit. And he's going to make sure we have a place to preach his word. And he will never fail us. But we did lose our building. We did have to move. But that doesn't discount God's faithfulness. We did have things happen that we would have rather not gone through. And yet we're reminded by Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. This is God's nature. Faithfulness is part of God's character. And he is not a God who changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was faithful to us when we started. He's faithful to us all the way up to the rapture of the church, which I hope is later today. Yeah. 
or maybe even right now, I don't have to finish this sermon. Let's just go home, amen? Now, here's what I know from life experience, and I'm sure most of you do too. God allows things we would rather not experience, but those things don't mean we've been forgotten, and those things don't mean we've been forsaken. Because without exception, God has been faithful. Look back on your own life and you'll see it's true for you. Listen, he was faithful when we lost our building. He is faithful to those who have lost their jobs. He is faithful to those whose home is in peril. He may let you get closer to things you'd rather not experience, but he will never let you down. So remember his past faithfulness when examining your current circumstances. Now, here's our second truth. And this is a kind of the anchor of our time together today. Listen this morning. Are you ready? Yes. God is worthy of praise because of who He is, not just what He does. God is worthy of praise because of who He is, not just what He does. Now listen, it's easy to drift into positive circumstance praise thinking. In other words, yes, I should praise the Lord. Look at what He just did. Well, what if He did something you don't like? Should you praise Him then too? Yes. Well, those things do come our way, don't they? Sometimes God allows things that are hard. Right? Ask Job. Ask Joseph. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ask Daniel. Ask Jeremiah if being in God's will is always easy or comfortable. Ask Peter. Ask Paul. You ready for this? Ask Jesus. He said in Matthew 26, 36 to 39, as he came to a place called Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther, fell on his face, and he prayed saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, was saying, this hour, this moment for which I came into the world is so difficult to consider, I am exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. If there's any other way to do this, Father, let's do it that way. But if not, your will be done. Now listen this morning. I'm sure that Job would have preferred not to lose everyone he loved and everything he had on one day. I'm sure that Joseph would probably have preferred not to be falsely accused of sexual assault and spend two years in prison for something he never did. I'm sure that David would rather not have been on the run from the man that God had turned aside and said, David, you're the man after my own heart. You're the chosen king of Israel. I'm sure David would have rather not hidden in caves and run from Saul for 20 years, having his life threatened constantly by the man God had rejected as king. I bet Daniel on the front side, at least, would have rather skipped the lion's den. I bet Jeremiah would have rather skipped the dungeon. And I'm sure Mary and Martha would have rather that their brother Lazarus wasn't dead for four days. Yet, we don't see any of these great men and women of God allowing negative circumstances to silence their praise. Now, unless you and I think these people are some type of superhumans, remember, 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. In other words, she's saying, you know, Jesus, you could have done something about this. You could have stopped this. David, the man after God's own heart, said in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Can the Lord forget us? Of course not. But this is how David is feeling. He's saying, Lord, I feel like you forgot all about me. How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my own soul? In other words, David is saying, God, how long are you going to let me hurt? He says, I have sorrow in my heart daily. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Elijah felt like he was the only one left, and he ran from Jezebel, hid in a cave, and waited to die. And listen, praise is not about liking your circumstances. Hello? Praise is not about liking your circumstances. Praise is about expressing our thanks and love for God. He is worthy of praise because He is God. And He's God when things are good. And He's God when things are, well, let's just say, not so good. He's God in a pandemic. He's God in a layoff. The second one was weaker than the first, but that was true of first service too. He's God facing eviction. He's God facing repossessions. And listen, we are not expected to like any of those things if we're really a Christian. But we are expected to praise Him at all times. Maybe it's time for a new beginning of praise for some today. Listen, I was going to say I'll be honest with you, but kind of ought to be that all the time, right? I lost sleep over this building thing. It kept me up at night. Many, 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 many hours of lost sleep over this. But I shouldn't have. And there was no need to. God's been in control the whole time. This is the Lord's church. And His past record of faithfulness should have let me sleep at night. But listen, I'm human too. Even though there are some people who would debate that apparently on social media. And listen, he has let us get uncomfortably close to being homeless as a church. But he cannot abandon his work. He will not abandon his children. So what do we do in the midst of all this? Well, Psalm 147, 1-6 is our answer. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. This is so amazing. For it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, I love this phrase, praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He counts the number of stars. He calls them all by name. I hope you see the crescendo that's going on here. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lift up the, lifts up the humble. He casts down the wicked to the ground. Maybe some of you here today are watching online. Hate your current circumstances. Maybe you don't like what's going on and you don't even know what's going to happen next. And as I said, Martha said to Jesus, if you would have gotten here sooner, in other words, if you hadn't have stayed two days after you heard Lazarus was sick, if you would have got here earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. And this equates to saying, God, you could have done something about this, and I don't understand why you didn't. And we could all say those same things at times, right? Hello? We could all say those same things. 
Lord, you could have stopped this pandemic, could he? Yeah. Of course he could have. You could have averted me getting laid off, could he? Yeah. Of course he could have. You could have avoided me losing my home or possessions, and we could all say that, and we would be exactly right. But listen, that doesn't change who God is or his worthiness of praise. It is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Now listen, some of you might be thinking, I hear you, but I'm not feeling any better. So are you ready for this? I'm not trying to make you feel better. I'm trying to remind you that we are to praise God at all times. Some things don't feel good. Some things hurt. Some things are painful, and God could have averted them all, but I'm not God. I don't know how he chooses, what he stops, and what he allows. He does that. His ways are higher than ours. He does pass things past finding out. So how do we get to that place of praise? Listen, you say this, Lord, I don't get it. I don't know why you did what you did or didn't stop what you could have. But I want to offer you my praise apart from my emotions and feelings because you are worthy of all praise. And the fact is, here's what I have found. When your heart's not in it, and yet you begin to speak truth and praise God anyway, your heart gets on board right away. And I have to say, over this past year, in the midst of some of these sleepless nights and wonders and I'll be honest, worry about what's going to happen next. All the emotional roller coasters of experiences we went through, I have to say, praise night lifted my spirits time and time again, month after month after month, because it is good that we praise the Lord. Now, you might say, I don't feel like it. Well, that doesn't matter because praise has nothing to do with how you feel and it has exclusively to do with who God is. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He rides the clouds. As we just read, he names and numbers the stars. He hung the earth on nothing. He sits over the circle of the earth. He laughs at those who disregard his word. He is the authority over all creation. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He's coming back to get us someday. We have every reason to praise him. Your current circumstances are not permanent. They are temporary. And someday we're all going to be in heaven. And that's why David could say, I will bless the Lord every time I feel like it. No, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times, Psalm 34, 1. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know when David wrote that? He had fled to Gath from Saul, who was trying to kill him again. Gath was the capital city of the Philistines. Gath was the hometown to Goliath, whom he had killed. Goliath had four brothers who lived in Gath. David went to Gath, trying to hide from Saul, carrying Goliath's sword. And in order to escape, he had to act like a nut, slobber all over his own beard. And the king of Bimelech said, what do I need? Another nut in my country? Get this clown out of here. And David escaped from being executed himself. And David said, I'm even going to bless God in situations like Gath. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Now, 
in these terrible and fearful run-for-your-life circumstances like David was describing and like we feel like we're in right now, God is worthy of praise even then. And maybe this hasn't been your habit thus far, but you can have a new beginning today because God is worthy of praise even through the darkest of times and trials. Now, one last thing, and here's our closing reminder and the point of all of where we're going and being reminded of on this day of celebration. Listen, at the end of every trial, there is a new beginning. At the end of every trial, there is a new beginning. I was thinking back, this just came to me yesterday, um, or last evening actually, after I got home from Porterville. And by the way, thank you for the prayers uh, for all the travels and the conference up there. It was wonderful. And, um, you know, it's just kind of cool to get to do different things. You know, three weeks ago, I was speaking at a conference where there were 2,000 people. It was a wonderful time and a huge lineup of speakers, guys that I like to hear myself. And over this past weekend, I was at a conference where there were 40 people. And it was out in the middle of farmland. And it was wonderful. And it was just a powerful time in God's Word. It was amazing. And I was so thankful and honored to get to go and be there. It was such a, an incredible blessing. But I was thinking as I was putting everything together, finalizing it for this morning. In 21 years, God has moved us six times. Six times. From Pastor Dave and Rhonda's family room, to the clubhouse in Tustin Meadows, to Columbus Tustin Middle School, to our place on 6th Street for 16 years. Those four moves happened in eight months. And then we were stationary for 16 years, as I said. Then we moved to 17th Street in Santa Ana for five years. And now he's moved us to Costa Mesa. And listen, God was doing great things. Every time we moved in our new place, he's going to do great things here too. And David said in Psalm 32:8, the Lord speaking through him, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And listen, the eye in Scripture, especially Hebrew Scripture, is symbolic of wisdom and insight, specifically God's wisdom and insight. And though unbeknownst to us many times as to the why, he is guiding us and instructing us and teaching us in the way that we should go. Now, I want you to think about this this morning as we wrap things up. Job could have spent the rest of his life wondering why God allowed what he did. Joseph could have lived out his days bitter that he was sold as a slave to the Midianite traders by his own brothers and spent two years in prison for something he didn't do. Daniel and friends could have spent the rest of their days angry that a burning fiery furnace in a lion's den was part of their experience because it was bad enough they got shipped off to Babylon and the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. Martha could have dwelt on the fact that Jesus waited two days before he left for Bethany, knowing that Lazarus was sick unto death. But none of them did these things. As a matter of fact, Job said this in 13.15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Joseph said, when finally facing his brothers and they realized who it was, he said in 50.20 of Genesis, But as for you, you meant evil against me. He didn't mince any words. You meant to harm me. You meant to hurt me. That was your plan. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Remember, there was a huge famine in the land. God 
gave David the interpretation of dreams, allowed the people to store up in Egypt enough grain to last through the famine, and feed many others, including Joseph's own family. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, at the threat of being thrown into the burning fiery furnace, said to King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3, 16 to 18, they answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, and the, and the king had just said, who can deliver you from my hand? He said, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Listen to what they said. But if not, but if not, if God lets us die in the furnace, if not, let it be known to you, O kingy, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We could go on and on and on, but let me just say this. I didn't like losing our building. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. And I certainly didn't like the evil and illegal things that were done to us. But I have to say now that we're here, I love what God is doing. Yeah. Pastor John Corson said something one time that was corrective to, I think, the thoughts of all who heard it. And he was talking about the song of Miriam after the Lord parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel crossed over on dry ground and the sea closed in behind the pursuing army of Pharaoh that sought the destruction of God's chosen people. And Corson made this observation about the song that was sung by the Israelites after they crossed the Red Sea. He said they could have sung that song before they ever began their journey across the Red Sea because it was just as true when they were trapped against the Red Sea with the army pressing in behind them as it was when they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. It was just as true then. And listen, we went through things that I didn't like, but I sure am glad where we're at. And I can't say that I didn't worry because I did. And I can't say that I slept like a baby every night because I didn't. But I'm sleeping pretty good lately. Amen? Amen? Now, I can't answer why God doesn't intervene when he's certainly able to do so. I don't know why he allows us to get so close to seeming disaster when the unexpected happened, but this I do know, he's worthy of praise. He has an impeccable track record of faithfulness to every single one of us. And at the end of every trial, a new beginning awaits us. Listen, sometimes that new beginning is a new address. Sometimes that new beginning is deeper trust. But no matter what, he will never abandon or fail us because that is against the nature and character of God. Somebody say amen. amen. And Father, we are grateful for all that you have done. Thank you for the twists and turns that have taught us as you guided us with your eye and in your wisdom and your unquestionable faithfulness, Lord, through all the serpentining we have done, uh, through all the various experiences we've had as a church. But we thank you, Lord, most of all, that this is your church that you are in charge and in control and that we can trust you. And Lord, even when we don't feel it, even when our emotions and heart don't want to, that there's good for us in praise. So Lord, I pray over those, especially now who this pandemic has brought something completely unexpected when things maybe were going so well, 
maybe better than ever. And now something that we all know, because you can do all things or anything and nothing's too hard for you, that you could have stopped in your sovereign will, you chose not to, and there have been painful ramifications because of it, even in the life of Christians. But Lord, that doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your nature, your character, your worthiness of praise. So I pray over their hurting and wondering and worrying beloved saints that you bought with your own blood, the blood of your own son, that they would release the power of praise in their own lives and hopefully allow their emotions to rise above the moment. And we thank you that you are ever faithful. You are the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy forever and ever with those who love you and keep your commandments. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that when we are struggling with faithfulness, you remain faithful because you cannot deny who you are. So we honor you with the highest of praise that can be offered through words. We give you glory. We are so grateful that you love us, saved us, sanctified us, and used us. And we pray, God, as we break bread together and tour this new place together, God, that we will be blessed and amazed and reminded of how faithful you are. We honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.